0: I know a place where we can. This is Crosswalk Colorado Springs, a local community faith program from 100.7 The Word. Welcome to Crosswalk Colorado Springs. This is Pastor Eric Cartier. Hope that you're doing well. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm the local pastor here in the community at Rocky Mountain Calvary, and it's my joy to host Crosswalk Colorado Springs. We're focused on Southern Colorado and Just love uh, being able to pastor here in the city and just be here on the radio. So today I wanted to share with you uh, some thoughts that I had out of Luke chapter uh, 14. I've been teaching through the gospel of Luke and came into this section in Luke 14 where Jesus talks about taking the lowly place. And the question really for us is, are we going to be humbled or are we going to be exalted? Uh, Jesus says, for whoever exalts himself will be humbled and he who humbles himself will be exalted. I don't know about you, but sometimes when we talk about pride and we talk about humility, it can be hard to really quantify, well, what is pride and what is uh, humility? And so today we're really going to get into the practical aspects of Both what does pride look like, but also what does uh, humility look like? What caused Jesus uh, to say these statements uh, was he was watching people come in to a feast and they were taking the best seats. And as they took the best seats, it wasn't just about so they could see really well, but it was social status that they wanted to be recognized. So let's read this parable and then we'll talk more about pride, and humility. So this is Luke 14, verse 7. So he told a parable to those who were invited. When he noted how they chose the best places, saying to them, when you're invited by anyone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in the best places, lest one more honorable than you be invited by him. And he who invited you and him who came and say to you, give place to this man. And then you begin with shame to take the lowest place. But when you're invited, go and sit down in the lowest place so that when he who invited you comes, he may say to you, friend, go up higher. Then you will have glory in the presence of those who sit at the table with you. For whoever exalts himself will be humbled and he who humbles himself will be exalted. So Jesus is talking, yes, about Taking the lowly seat when you come into a a feast, don't assume the best position, but take a humble seat and then you'll be honored. The one who's in charge of the feast will come to you and say, hey, why don't you come and take a a better seat? And he's definitely talking about that, uh, but he is referring to a way of life, uh, choosing the lowly place, choosing that position of uh, service. Let's take a little deeper look at verse seven. It says, so he told a parable to those who were invited, when he noted how they chose the best places, saying to them. It's in our nature to want to be seen, to want to be recognized, to want to be noticed, uh, whether it's at work or in our families. I know for me, if I do the dishes and clean the kitchen, I really do want to be noticed. I, I want members of the family to say, oh, dad, thanks so much for cleaning the kitchen. Babe, thanks so much for doing uh, the dishes. And it really does reveal my motivation. I think social media has really shown us how much we long for recognition. Uh, If you're on social media and you make a post, do you go back to see how many people liked it? I, I think we all do. And the problem with wanting to be exalted is it really diminishes this desire to live for Christ and see Christ exalted. As soon as we start wanting to be exalted, the next thing that's going to come into play is wanting to compare uh, with each other. This whole idea of where you sit at the feast was really a comparison game. So how do I rank in comparison to others. Well, I'm a little bit better than this person for this reason, or this person's a lot better than me for that reason. And Paul warned against this in Second Corinthians 10. He says, for we dare not classify ourselves or compare ourselves with those who commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. Now that's a mouthful. Paul says a lot right there. But he's saying it's not wise for us to compare ourselves with uh, one another. Jesus' antidote or his instruction of how to be able to overcome this desire that we have in our sinful nature to be exalted is to take the lowly uh, position, to humble ourselves. And this word humble in verse 11, it says, for whoever exalts himself will be humbled and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Humble means to put down, actually literally means to to make yourself low. Exalted is just the opposite, where you're lifting yourself up. So God says if you exalt yourself, you're going to be put low, you're going to be humbled. But if you humble yourself, then you're going to be exalted. So I want to spend a little bit of time unpacking this. And what does this really mean to take the lowly position, to humble ourselves? What does pride look like in our lives? Let's take a look at James chapter 4, verses 6 through 10, because I think these verses really describe to us what it looks like to humble ourselves before the Lord. It says, But he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts. You double minded, lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. God resists the proud, but he gives grace uh, to uh, the humble. This is mentioned several times uh, in scripture. It's mentioned by Peter, and it's also mentioned in the book of Proverbs. Think about one person that you don't want resisting you and it's God. If there's one person I don't want resisting me, it's God. And what causes God to resist us is our pride. And the reason is because he knows the damage that pride will do in our lives. It's been said about pride. The, the problem with pride is everybody knows you're suffering with it, except for the person that has it. You know, So it's like the junior high room. It smells like B.O. and the junior high kids don't realize it. And so pride, it, destroys our lives the proverbs warn that a haughty spirit comes before a fall and pride comes before destruction so god in his love for us he's going to resist our pride when we're prideful we put ourselves in a place where god is resisting us but then i love this i believe this to be god's sweet spot as he gives grace to the humble now what is grace grace is unearned undeserved unmerited favor And when we're humble, when we make ourselves low, when we humble ourselves before the Lord and before others, then God gives us grace. He gives us this favor that we don't deserve. This is really how you and I got saved if you know Christ as your Savior, or if you're thinking about trusting Christ as your Savior, this is how you receive him, is you have to humble yourself. You have to come to a place of being poor in spirit, bankrupt in spirit. And crying out to God and saying, Lord, I can't save myself. Would you be gracious to uh, forgive me? I think of this in football terms. You look at defensive linemen, just these Goliath of men. And you're an offensive lineman. Now, I'm tall and skinny. I would not want to go up against any defensive lineman in the NFL. How much more so to try to have God uh, resist me? We're going to head to a break here in in just a minute, and we're going to unpack the rest of James chapter 4 of of what it really looks like to humble ourselves uh, before the Lord to where he'll give us grace. This is Crosswalk Colorado Springs with Pastor Eric Cartier. I pastor at Rocky Mountain Calvary. We have two locations, one here in the heart of the city at Austin Bluffs and Academy, and then one out east in Ellicott. So we're going to be looking at being exalted or humbled today. Thanks so much for joining me as you're driving down the road or maybe you're home for the day already or or catching this podcast after the fact. Remember, Crosswalk Colorado Springs can be found wherever you listen to your podcast. So stay with me. We're headed to a break right here on 100.7 The Word. And you showed up and patched me up Crosswalk Colorado Springs on 100.7, The Word. Welcome back to Crosswalk Colorado Springs. This is Pastor Eric Cartier. Today we're going to be looking at humility versus pride, the parable that Jesus told in Luke chapter 14. James chapter 4 really shows us what it means to walk in humility and to humble ourselves uh, before the Lord. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. To humble ourselves before the Lord is to submit uh, to uh, the Lord. We have a Newfoundland as our dog. If you're not familiar with Newfoundlands, they're a large breed. They're beautiful dogs. It's our second Newfoundland. Our, Our first Newfoundland lived to be 10 and had to have her put to sleep. And then we're now on our second Newfoundland. She's named Quinn. And what I've noticed with both of these dogs is you can tell when the dog decides to submit to you, when the dog comes underneath your leadership. And dogs are are really smart, and I noticed that the Newfoundland with our kids, with our four kids and and Quinn really doesn't submit to the kids. Doesn't come underneath their their leadership, but then I walk in the room and all of a sudden she is compliant. She's chosen to submit herself to me. I'm the the alpha in her world. And humility says, God, you're going to be my al- my alpha. I'm going to submit uh, to you. And I've found in my life, some of the darkest and most difficult times is when I'm wrestling with the Lord, when I want to be my own authority, where I'm not coming underneath his leadership. But then real peace comes as I submit to him. And so humility first, it begins with submitting to the Lord. I just encourage you as you're listening, if you find yourself Wrestling with the Lord in a particular area or an issue, submit to Him. Come underneath His guidance. Let Him lead you and direct you because it's a sign of humility. And so, as we submit to the Lord, then we stand our ground against the enemy and He'll flee from you. Another sign of humility is to draw near to God. Draw near to God and He will draw near to you. This is one of the most amazing promises in the Bible that God would draw near to us. Think of this. The creator of the universe who spoke all things into existence is longing for us to draw near to him. Now, this is an open invitation on God's part where he is willing uh, to draw near to us if if we're willing to uh, draw near uh, to him. As we take God up on this offer to spend time in the word, to spend time in prayer, in worship, being with God's people, then he's faithful to draw near to us right now, right where you're at, whatever you're going through. If you cry out to the Lord, he's going to draw near uh, to you. When I'm not drawing near to the Lord, I'm really expressing pride. Prayerlessness, the lack of prayer really is an expression of pride, but to pray, to draw near to the Lord is an expression of humility. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, Uh, you double Minded in this spirit of humility, called out to cleanse our hands, to, to confess our, our sin before the Lord. When we see this attitude over our sin, lament, mourn, and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. You may not think that that would be in the scriptures, but it is. It is in the scriptures, and it's part of humbling ourselves uh, before the Lord is to take this position of, I'm going to be broken over my sin. Confession really is beautiful. In 1 John 1, 9, we're told if we confess our sin, he's faithful and he's just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And you may be saying, well, why would I confess sin if I'm already saved, if all my sin are forgiven? Well, we're confessing sin not to be saved, but for relationship. If you've ever sinned against somebody in one of your close relationships, you know that that relationship doesn't have the closeness because of that sin. And until that sin is confessed, until you ask for forgiveness, there's distance in the relationship. And God doesn't leave us or forsake us, but there is distance in our relationship with him when there's unconfessed sin. And we want to keep short accounts before the Lord. And the beautiful thing is, is that God then promises that he is going to give us not only forgiveness, but he's going to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We have a family of six and trash day for us is early Monday morning. And so Sunday evenings go through the whole house. Most Sunday evenings sometimes get get busy, but get go through the whole house and get every trash in the house and get it out into the trash cans, out to the curb. And I love Trash Day. We love love Trash Day. If you've ever missed a Trash Day, I think we've all been there, where you don't get the trash out. Man, it's no, no good, uh, especially in the summer when the garage is hot. And we don't want to be in a place where we have sin festering in our hearts and our lives. We want to confess our sin to the Lord, and then he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I also enjoy... Cooking with cast iron pans and they're great. Uh, really add wonderful flavor to the food and enjoy making scrambled eggs or over easy eggs uh, for, for breakfast. But if I don't clean that pan right away, man, those eggs, they just get nasty on, on the pan. And my heart's the same way. What is it in your life right now where the Holy Spirit is pleading with you? The Holy Spirit is reaching out to you, saying, hey, would you humble yourself? would you put yourself in that lowly position before the Lord and confess sin and really weep and mourn over it? And here is James 4 verse 10, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. And so we have this amazing promise that as we do humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord, that he then is going to lift us up. So we're talking about pride. We're talking about humility. What does it look like to walk in pride? What does it look like to walk in humility? If you're just tuning in, Jesus tells a parable in Luke chapter 14 where people are coming into a feast and they're taking the best seats. And isn't that just like us? We want to be served. We want the, the best seats. We want to be exalted. And Jesus says, no, take, take the lowly seat. And when we think about humility, humility really begins in humbling ourselves uh, before the Lord. We've got to get that relationship with the Lord right. And when we humble ourselves before him, then he gives us grace. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. After the break, we're going to look at how do we humble ourselves in relationships with people. We've just looked at humbling ourselves before God. But what does it really look like to walk in humility with other people, to esteem others better than ourselves? This is Crosswalk Colorado Springs uh, with Pastor Eric Cartier want to remind you that Crosswalk is Monday through Wednesday from 5 to 6 right here on 100.7 The Word. I'm a local pastor. enjoy pastoring at uh, Rocky Mountain Calvary. We're an expositional verse-by-verse church. Right now, we're going through uh, the Gospel of Luke. Appreciate my friends here at 100.7 The Word that has allowed me to come be on the air to share God's Word. A lot of times uh, we'll have interviews with guests, and I hope those are a blessing to you. And then a lot of times we will open up the airwaves for questions. And so please be thinking of questions as you're reading God's Word, as you're listening to sermons on Sunday mornings or online, and or current events. We'll also take a look at current events through a biblical perspective. So prepare some questions uh, for me, and you can call in lots of days to bring your questions also you can text those in but today i'm sharing with you about pride and humility how god resists the proud but he gives a grace to uh, the humble james 4 verse 6 through 10 god resists the proud but gives grace to the humble therefore submit to god resist the devil and he will flee from you draw near to god and he will draw near to you cleanse your hands you sinners and purify your hearts you double minded Lament, mourn, and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. Right after the break, we're going to be looking at Philippians chapter 2. What does it mean to walk in humility and relationships with people? Looking at the example of Christ. Don't go away. You won't want to miss it right here on 100.7 The Word. This is Crosswalk Colorado Springs on 100.7, The Word. Welcome back to Crosswalk Colorado Springs. This is Pastor Eric Cartier. Thanks so much uh, for listening. Today, talking about pride and humility. What does it mean to walk in pride? What does it mean to walk in humility? I think a lot of times uh, when we talk about these things, we really don't know what they mean. Like, how how is this going to apply to my life? How can I live it out? Obviously, it's a really important topic uh, to God, where he says, I'm going to resist the proud, and I am going to give grace to the humble. So we looked at James 4, what it means to humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord, to draw near to him, to submit to him, to confess our sin to him. And then Philippians chapter 2 really shows us what does it mean to walk in humility in relationship with others? What does it mean to take this lowly place? Hear me on this. Nothing is going to destroy relationships quicker or faster than selfishness, and nothing's going to bless your relationships more than humble uh, service. So this is Philippians chapter 2, verse 1. It says, Therefore, if there is any consolation of Christ, any comfort of love, any fellowship of the Spirit, if any, affection and mercy. Now, these are rhetorical statements because obviously there is consolation in Christ. There's comfort in his love. There's fellowship in the Holy Spirit. There's affection and mercy in Christ. These are all amazing things that we have been given in Christ. Paul then says, fulfill my joy. So this is the way Paul's attempting to live his life. It's the way Jesus lived his life. It brought him joy. And he says, I want you to Fulfill my joy, being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. If you get believers walking in a humility, you're going to find like-mindedness. What is like-mindedness? To be on the same page. You know, the Super Bowl just ended uh, recently, and, and to think about how the Kansas City Chiefs came together as one team. They were like-minded. And the team of Christ, the team of Jesus, to be like-minded have the same love where our love is for Jesus. One accord, this is harmony. If you've heard a symphony play, there's a beautiful harmony that comes, this one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. We don't want to do things with selfishness. We don't want to do these things with wanting to be exalted. And selfishness is so strong I wake up every day apart from Christ, and I'm thinking about myself. I'm thinking about Team Eric. But God wants us to have a lowly mind, and this is a humble mind. How do we think? How do we think towards God? How do we think towards others? And a mind of humility esteems others better than myself. So when I wake up in the morning, humility would say, well, what does my family need? What does my wife need? What do, what do my kids need? When you come together with believers, humility is like, what, are, what do these believers need in this room around me? Not what do I need, but what does someone else need at, at work? How can I serve and encourage and be a blessing? So we're literally going through the day thinking about how we can serve others instead of ourselves. And this takes a work of the spirit because we tend to really focus in on ourselves Let each of you look not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. So the scriptures don't condemn looking after your own interests. You need to care for yourself, make sure you you sleep, make sure you're eating well, exercising, those type of things, but don't stop there. Don't look just at your own interests, but also the interests of others. Now, if you're like, I'm not signing up for this, stick with me because we've got the example of Christ. It says, Let this mind be in you, which was in also in Christ Jesus. This is the way Jesus went about living his life and thinking, who can I serve and who can I bless? And we see several examples of that. Towards the end of Jesus' life, he washed the disciples' feet. This wasn't just one act of service. It's one moment in time. It's one portrait that we see. But Jesus lived a a life of, of service. And we can kind of over-spiritualize feet washing, but reality of it is, is this was a need. This was dirt roads, lots of disgusting things on the roads that I won't go into, but you'd walk into someone's home and it would be the servant, the slave that would come and wash the feet. And Jesus came and washed the feet of the disciples. And he says, I've given you an example for you to follow. And the joy of Christ is given to us in this lowly, a service. So this was the mindset of Jesus. He didn't come to be served, but he came to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. So This is clearly stating that Jesus is God. And we know this from the scriptures. John 1 says, in the beginning was the word and the word was God and the word was with God. Then, down in verse 14 of John 1, it says, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So Jesus is clearly the Word, and the Word spoke all things into existence. So it's not robbery for Jesus to be equal with God, because he is God. He's equal with the Father. But catch this He made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. When we think of humility, taking the lowly position, Jesus, he's in heaven, he's God, and he comes and is born in Bethlehem, this podunk town placed in a manger dependent upon a teen mom. We know from history that moms would get married as teenagers. Mary was a young teenager as she is betrothed to Joseph. And Jesus entrusts his very being to Mary to take care of her placed in a manger, a feeding trough for animals. He came in the, the likeness of men. We really don't have any illustration to put this in perspective of the humility of Christ. I mean, we, we talk about, well, maybe if you went to heaven for sake of illustration. If If God said, I want you to become a, a grasshopper. And once you're a grasshopper, they're not going to appreciate you being there and they're going to pull you apart, crucify you. And you're going to do that because of my love for grasshoppers, that doesn't even come close to the amount of humility where Christ came in the likeness of men in the form of a bondservant. Now, the word bondservant means slave by choice. So he chose to make himself a servant in obedience to uh, the Father. But the humility of Christ goes even further. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death even the death of the cross so god becomes man rejected by his family rejected by his hometown rejected by israel but god the god man then humbles himself notice the word humbled made himself low and becomes obedient even to the point of death the death of the cross and jesus is brutalized on the cross His beard is ripped out, he's spit upon, the crown of thorns is placed upon his head, he's whipped, nailed to the cross, the physical suffering of the cross, but then also the spiritual suffering, where he who knew no sin became sin for us so that we could become the righteousness of God. All of my sin, he took upon himself. All of the sin of the world, he took upon himself so that we could become the righteousness of God. The humility of Christ. You may be struggling with, well, I don't know if I want to take this lowly position. I don't know if I want to serve my family. They don't appreciate it. I've been serving at work and no one is recognizing it. My church family I've been serving and quite honestly feels like a a waste of time. Well, look at Christ. Look at his humble service. Look at his death upon the cross and how many people have mocked his death and spit at him and rejected him and not wanted anything to do with him, yet Jesus went to the cross for him. So stay with me because we're going to talk about the exaltation of Christ, his humility led to his exaltation, and we're also going to look at Nebuchadnezzar because Nebuchadnezzar is really an antithesis. He's what not to do as he walks in pride. There's a lot more to come. Stay with me right here on 100.7 The Word. We're going to head to a break, and then we'll be right back. Crosswalk Colorado Springs on 100.7 The Word. Welcome back to Crosswalk Colorado Springs. This is Pastor Eric Cartier. Thanks for joining me. Hope your drive is going well, that you're not stuck in traffic. I wanted to share with you today about pride and humility. I think words that we hear, but sometimes we don't know uh, what they mean. And looking at the humility of Christ and Christ encouraging us to walk in humility. We were looking at Philippians chapter 2, just right before the break, where Jesus humbled himself even to the point of death upon the cross. In verse 9 of Philippians 2 says, Therefore God also highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Because of Christ's humility, because of his sacrifice, the Father has exalted Jesus above every name. To where every person who's ever created will bow, those in heaven, those on earth, those under the earth, every tongue is going to confess that Jesus is Lord. The question is not whether or not people will confess Jesus as Christ, but will it be too late? Because we know the Bible teaches that we need to believe, repent and believe and confess Christ as our Savior in this lifetime. If you haven't received Christ, I would encourage you right now to to trust Christ because there will be that moment in eternity where you will surrender to Christ, but at that time it'll be too late and be eternally separated uh, from the Lord. But this really shows the principle that Jesus is teaching in Luke chapter 14, that if we humble ourselves, we're going to be exalted, but if we exalt ourselves, uh, we will be humbled Let's look at a bad example. Let's look at Nebuchadnezzar in the Old Testament in Deuteronomy chapter 4. Nebuchadnezzar is the most powerful man in the world. He's the leader of Babylon and his heart gets filled with pride and God humbles him. All this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar at the end of 12 months. He was walking about the royal palace of Babylon. The king spoke saying, is not this great Babylon that I have built for a royal dwelling by my mighty power and for the honor of my majesty. So he's walking about his palace, checking it out, and notice what he says, is not this great Babylon that I have built for a royal dwelling by my mighty power and the honor for my majesty. There's a lot of selfishness in there. There's a lot of exaltation of himself, not a lot of humility. We've talked about what humility looks like. Well, this is what pride does, is pride gives credit to ourselves when we should be giving glory to God. Every blessing that has come into our life is from the Lord. And you might be saying, well, wait a second, I've worked really hard for this, but who has given you the ability to go to work? There's God-given talents, our minds. Who's given you health? Who's given you the opportunity That's all the Lord. And so instead of walking around saying, hey, I built this place, we need to be giving glory uh, to the Lord. In Deuteronomy, God told the children of Israel that God is the one who gives you the power to get wealth. So if you've been blessed with, with wealth and position and possession, that's not because of you, that's because of the Lord. God then humbles Nebuchadnezzar, While the the word was still in the king's mouth, a voice fell from heaven. King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken, the kingdom has departed from you. At times when God humbles, he humbles quickly. He'll be patient. He'll be long-suffering with our pride. But when the humility comes, that that humble pot pie can come very fast. It reminds me of Acts chapter 12 where Herod began to take the glory of God and the people kept shouting the voice of a God and not of a man. Then immediately an angel of the Lord struck him because he did not give glory to God and he was eaten by worms and died. Right in that moment, as he's taking glory, people are saying this is the voice of God and not of a man. Herod didn't correct them and he was eaten from worms from the inside out. This is a Good picture of pride. Pride's going to eat us from the inside out. Verse 32 And they shall drive you from men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. They shall make you eat grass like oxen, and seven times shall pass over you until you know the Most High rules in the kingdom of men and gives it to whomever He chooses. The humility for Nebuchadnezzar is He's going to be made like a beast. And he's going to be in this beast-like condition for seven years, seven seasons for the purpose of him knowing that the Most High rules over the kingdoms of men, and God gives to whom he chooses. The reason that God humbles is not because he's punishing us, but because he's wanting to teach us. He's wanting us to really understand that God is the one and not we ourselves. That very hour the word was fulfilled concerning Nebuchadnezzar, he was driven from men and ate grass like an oxen. His body was wet with dew of heaven till his hair had grown like eagle's feathers and his nails like bird claws. I want you to just get this mental picture. As difficult as it is, you've got this long, nasty hair, maybe dreaded, and then you've got the fingernails. And his hair is like feathers of an eagle's, and he's out of his mind. And at the end of the time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven, and my understanding returned to me, and I blessed the Most High and praised and honored him who lives forever. God was gracious to Nebuchadnezzar and allowed him to regain his understanding. Notice now Nebuchadnezzar responds in humility, and he begins to bless and praise the Most High. Wouldn't that be awesome to see some of the leaders on the world stage that don't know Christ, that may be walking in pride, to get to a place where they're acknowledging the Lord and they're giving glory to the Lord. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom is from generation to generation. Got to hear this. God's kingdom is everlasting. It's from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. He does according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. No one can restrain his hand or say to him, What have you done? At the same time, my reason returned to me, and for the glory of my kingdom, my honor, my splendor returned to me. God was gracious as he humbled himself before the Lord, just like God's done so many times in our lives, resisted our pride, but then we humble ourselves before him and God's gracious to us. God's gracious to Nebuchadnezzar. My counselors and nobles resorted to me and I was restored to my kingdom and excellent majesty was added to me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the King of heaven, all of whose works are true and his ways just. Those who walk in pride, he's able to put down. This has to be the grace of God. This has to be the unearned, undeserved, and merited favor of God. For Nebuchadnezzar to be like a beast for seven years, but then be restored to his position as king to rule and reign over Babylon. I think if you or I went out of our mind for seven years, we wouldn't get our jobs back. But hear this testimony hear this testimony of Nebuchadnezzar, and those who walk in pride, he's able to put down. Nebuchadnezzar lived that. Experience really is the best teacher, but why does it always have to be our experience? Right now, as you're driving in the car, home for the day, me as I'm sharing on the radio, we can choose humility or we can choose pride. Jesus in Luke 14 said, If you exalt yourself, you'll be humbled, but if you humble yourself, you'll be exalted. Humility is something we can choose, and pride is something that we can choose as well. Humility is expressed in humbling ourselves before God, serving others. Pride is expressed in exalting ourselves. Hope this has been a blessing to you. Thanks so much uh, for listening. Have a great night. Until next time, God bless you.